Well, we're crawling through the book of 2 Corinthians between missions conferences and being out of town. Uh, Dave and Meredith Hurtado uh, send greetings to you as a congregation. Carol and I were with them last Sunday for their first anniversary and uh, been in that church now for a year and uh, just pray for them. God strengthened them, raising four children and uh, got their hands full. <laughs> so keep them in your prayers, but they dearly love this congregation. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I wrestle with whether to speak on this chapter. Uh, I've seen in different books, they just omit it altogether. Uh, seems a bit strange, but I think in light of uh, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, it's not strange, and maybe it won't be strange in your life. Uh, let's pick up 6.14. He tells of his pain in verses 1 through 13 of all of his hardships that he's gone through to preach the gospel to them, and he tells them, I've not shut up my heart towards you, my my heart's been open. I've had no secrets. Uh, I love you dearly. And then he says these heartbreaking words. Uh, he tells them in verse 12, we are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. And so there's a, uh, there's a rift. There's a minority in that church opposing Paul's ministry. So he said, my I've been open with you. I wish you would share your heart with me. And then he goes on, and it seems to be a contrast. You're shutting your heart to me and maybe even the message I brought, but you've opened your heart to other influences, to other alliances, to other yokes, and I want to write to you about it. And this if you grew up in church, this is no big deal. If you grew up in paganism, idolatry, where you took your meals at the idol's temple, where you went to worship in the idol's temple, where you went to see prostitutes at the idol's temple, where your life revolved around the various gods in the Greek pantheon, and he came among them, as an immoral, idolatrous people, he's now writing to them, and he says in verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Then he's going to ask five rhetorical questions. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And the expected answer is what? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So far, so good. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Another word for Satan. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? That's, that's, that's tough, isn't it? Because we're surrounded with them. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? 
For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. I would uh, just say this message is about the yokes that choke. The yokes that choke. Christ invited his followers, come to my yoke. It's easy. My burden is light. But here he's warning. He gives two warnings. We'll see these two warnings. And then he follows up with about four promises. If you'll obey these commands, this is what God promises to you. And then he ends it with an exhortation, an encouragement to take action. So two commands. What are the two commands? Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Two, 17, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. That seems to be a recurring phrase God gives his people all the way through the Old Testament and the New. Come out. Come out. The word for church, we get our word ecclesia. It's made of two words, ek, like exit, out of. Out of, kaleo, to call. The church is called out from the world and made a separate culture and entity in it. Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I pray, don't take them out of the world, but leave them in the world. Protect them from the evil one, but just let them know I want them in the world. And so the issue, it's a difficult thing to navigate what are we to be doing in the world? Are we to hide out? Are we to do like the early church fathers moved to the desert down in Africa and they built the monasteries because their view was get as far away from the world as you can get. And you get separatist, fundamentalist kind of Christianity was very much that way little strategy for reaching the unsaved because the unsaved were always treated like the enemy. They're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. And so sometimes we became terrible evangelists. Maybe we're always walking scared to death of an unbeliever, but here we work among them. We actually parent some of them. Uh, we, we're raising offspring. We might have married one of them. We happened to be one of them at one time. And so you've got this tension, how am I to relate to a 
pagan world to be salt and light to them, to be the love of God. Listen to this verse. For God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son. Then 1 John 2.15, love not the world nor the things in it. So what am I supposed to do, love it or not? We want to love the human beings that make up the world and seek to win them to Jesus Christ that they might have eternal life. But world is also used of a satanic system used as it were a puppet to hypnotize us and to appeal to the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life, and is in total opposition to God. It's Satan's mannequin. He's got his hand in the glove, and he's just trying to get our affections and our attention. And God says, you can't be loving the system and loving me at the same time. You've got to stop loving the system. And yet, God so loved the people of the world that were in the claws of evil and our losses that he would do something to save them. So we got that tension. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. Uh, my clothes are made by the world as a whole. I don't necessarily go to a Christian tailor. I don't care if the guy that sells me gas is a Christian or not. Just give me a good deal. I deal with unbelievers buying food, not buying food. I mean, come on, we're, we're knocking shoulders with the unsaved, unbelievers. All the, and I don't go around and say, ooh, I can't touch you. But here, he's talking to people. You've got to get the background. These people grew up in a city where paganism, they had the gods of uh, Aphrodite. That was the famous god. There's a temple above the city of Corinth dedicated to Aphrodite. 1,000 prostitutes worked there for the priest, and it was a part of your worship. Go to the temple. You get the best food in town, and, and it's cheap. It's all the idolatry meat that's been offered. Go there, and you can have sex and God. Because wherever idolatry went, immorality went. They were, they were united. And that's why he warned Israel, when you go into the land, beware of their idols. They will make you immoral. They'll make you sacrifice your children. Don't mix with other gods, for the other gods will always lead you to an immoral life. So he's writing to these people. That from their youth, they've been going to the temple. They've been dedicated at the temple. They've been sleeping with women at the temple. Now, all of a sudden, they put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the common things is called syncretism. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll take Christ. I'll just add him to all my other gods. Many pagan cultures do Oh, Christianity, I kind of like it. I'll take Jesus as one of the teachers. Say, yeah, but you got to quit offering incense to other gods. Oh, no, no. I'm an inclusion person. I, I'll take all the religion I can get. And God said, I'm a jealous, exclusive God. 
I don't want you sleeping with a lot of women. I want you married to one. I don't want you sleeping with a bunch of gods. I want you to be faithful to one God. I, I don't share my woman with everybody. Some of you seem like you're thinking about it the way you look. Come on. You're weak out there. So nervous. What's going on? That's only analogy because he called Israel his unfaithful wife. You slept with the other gods, and he likened it to spiritual adultery. Your idolatry has been adulterous in my sight. And so now he's talking to them. And some are, these people opposing him still go to the temple, still hang out there. And he said, wait a minute. You've yoked yourself with unbelievers. And there's two ways, primary ways. Number one is in religion. I mean, this is clear. You're the temples of God. I don't want you going to idols' temples. Break it. Separate from it. Get away from it. You cannot worship the living God and have other gods at the same time. That's clear. Very clear. He wants to make that known. So, I grew up, uh, I went to schools that were uh, separatist schools. Uh, I was seminary, college, and the separation was, this was a strong verse, uh, don't be yoked together with unbelievers who are operating in the name of God. Do not be an ecumenicalist. Don't go into common cause with liberals who deny the deity of Christ and the inerrancy of Scripture and the battle among, that raged among them is how can the two have anything in common? Can they? Can you deny the deity of Christ and still be a pastor? Sure, sure. We've got people that come to this church and we decided to get out of the church where you could mention the blood of Christ because our pastor was a liberal. You don't think most pastors are going to heaven, do you? Hmm. Hmm. No, no, no. There's a lot of them making a living off of religion. I, I don't care what they say. The band was good. The band was good. What was the teaching? Oh, I don't care about teaching. I just got to feel good. Well, you feel good going to hell. I went high when I died. What a way to go out. At least it was good coke. Yeah, you go out high, still go to hell. You go out believing untruth, liberalism. I grew up in churches originally that we taught separation of lifestyle, dress, don't dress like the world, don't look like the world, uh, though you got your hair dressed by an unsaved woman, you know, the hairdo was there, and, and, 
an unsaved person made your dress, and an unsaved person sold you the perfume that made you smell decent. So I'm in the world, but he's talking about a yoke, an alliance, that, that I, I've gone into a partnership, and I come under the authority of. I come under the authority and the dictates, and it's in opposition to God. Any system, any alliance, I don't care, lodges, fraternities, uh, a church that doesn't teach the Word of God and preach the blood of Christ, get out of it. Get out of it. Don't waste your money or time. You hear me? Don't. You don't put live chicks under a dead hen. That's profound. You should have got that. You, you want to be sure that that child that professes faith in Christ, who, what kind of ministry will they be under? Will they teach the Word of God as the Word of God? Will they teach that the blood of Christ saves from all sin? Did you know there's some groups taking all the blood hymns out? They don't sing about the blood because they don't believe it pays for sin. And I see some naive Christians. Well, they seem to love Jesus. What do they believe about? Is he God? Has he been raised from the dead? Is he coming back again? Wake up! Wake up. We don't traffic with those that pass on lies in the name of God. Most of you just, that's, that's a nice reply, but you don't, you don't have a hill of beans about what I'm talking about. You go to the seminaries. I've been around some that could talk you out of your faith. I met a boy going to a seminary in this area, and he was from the south. And I said, son, how are you going? He said, I'm confused about my faith. I said, get a ticket back to Georgia as soon as you can. Don't let them talk you out of your faith. I don't care what degree you're going for. I am grieved at how much stupidity there is in the pew about sound doctrine. People can't tell you what justification means. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Paul wrote a whole book on it. I'm reading the biography of Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous pastor of London, and said when he started preaching there, nobody knew what justification was. Everything was light. Nobody ever dealt with verses. They just got up and told stories and acted funny and entertained. I want to tell you, hear me well. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to tell you what God said in his word. It's not my job to entertain it's my job to protect you by telling you the truth. And if you don't hear the Bible here, go to the elders and tell them. If you leave me alone, that's all I would do is teach the Bible. I wade through a lot of manure to take care of sheep. A lot of stuff. Budget. We've got to raise the budget. We've got to do this. We've got, got another meeting. Got another. I want to know who is just loving to hear what God has to say. The truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. The Word of God. 
I could care less or one way when I'm right with God, whether this church grows or demises. I will stand before God, and he won't ask me how many we had in attendance. He's going to say, did you do what I told you? Did you preach the word? Did you live the word? Where's my bodyguard? <laughs> then he says, these things, there's nothing in common. By the way, he said, you're the temple of the living God. You don't need to go to a temple. You are the temple. You remember Jesus telling the Samaritan woman, you don't need to go to Samaria to worship God. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. He said in John 2, I am God's temple on the earth in my incarnate body. And then he said, I'm going to start a people that among my people I'm going to indwell them. How many know you are carrying around deity in your body? You are indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. And when you corporately come together as saved people, you constitute a temple of worship to God. Hey, I, I don't need to go to any sacred places. The sacred places starts with me. This is sacred ground. God, I want you to be at home in me. I am a worship center. Heaven and earth can meet together right here in my body. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. In you, I come to worship with you, not to stare, watch you read a bulletin, watch you, oh, no. I come to worship with people that are sold on him as I want to be because it stimulates me to worship this God. Do you get stimulated when you come down here, or do you just, if we didn't put three cups of coffee in you, you wouldn't be awake? Well, thank God for coffee. Uh, now he gives them these promises. If you separate, do not make these unholy alliances, I promise to do these things for you. He said, by the way, I will live with you. I will walk among you. I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is marvelous. God says to Israel, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 4, I will live among you. And Moses wrote, who has ever heard of such a God that he will dwell among the people that he saves? Yet, see, all the other gods, you had to seek them. They were way out there. You had to get up there. God says, I will be with my people. I will be with my people to the end of the age, Jesus said. Has anyone ever longed for Jesus to come? After we get four more killings up in Yountville, 17 in Florida, we can't keep up with all the crimes. And so I said, I want Jesus to come back. I want Jesus to come back. Well, he said, in the meantime, I'm with you. In the meantime, I will live with them. I'll walk among them. I'll be their God. And they will be my people. Then another command, come out. Be separate. Well, what do you mean? I can't have any unsaved friends. 
just don't touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Stay away from that which contaminates you. I will be a father to you, and I will be, you will be my sons and daughters. He's talking about intimate family fellowship. We'll have a family relationship. Just don't, don't be handling and touching that which is an offense to me. Sometimes you feel like you meet believers that just need a good bath. They smell. My dad used to tell us kids, you can't handle skunks without smelling like them. You begin to smell like what you've been handling. And uh, Paul was telling Timothy, if you'll cleanse yourself, Timothy, Cleanse yourself from the sins I'm warning you about, 2 Timothy 2. Then you'll be fit for the master's use. I don't want to serve what I've got to give people in a dirty cup. I want you to clean the cup. Clean the cup. Are you clean enough to bear God's message? Are you clean enough to bring good news? Or do you soil it? And so this is a message on don't be worldly. Don't be contaminated by your surroundings. It's why we're constantly running to 1 John 1.9, confessing our sins, repenting of attitudes. Lord, I shouldn't have seen that movie. I shouldn't have gone to that place. Uh, all the compromises that we're daily faced with, what was I going to lunch with that woman for? Well, we worked together. You ought to be careful. You ought to be careful. Uh, what did you go to that idol's temple for? What's at the happy hour for you? Anything that'll make you happy might end your marriage, might help you become a drunk. You know, you don't have any time for church, but I got plenty of time for the, the sports team. I got plenty of time for this. I've got all kinds of alliances and appointments I've got to keep, but I don't have any I have to keep with God. Who, who do you bow to? Who's really governing? What alliances are you in? And in this relationship thing, it's interesting that Jewish commentators and others take this to always refer to marital relationships, religion and relationships. We used to, uh, we used to be told as young people, don't date unsaved people. Anybody ever hear that? Five of you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so many young people, the only requirement is are they breathing and are they warm? They're eligible. Or, and be careful, this guy. Yeah, I'm a Christian for the night. I'll be anything you want me to be. 
No, are you sure enough a Christian? Well, yeah, but I'm a Christian that likes to have sex with whoever I'm dating. Oh, you're touching the unclean thing. I thought God had boundaries about sex. Well, I'm a Corinthian Californian. It's just a nerd. I got to have it. I'm a young, viral young man. Yeah. You're a mess up. You're a screw up. A lot of our young people, they ignore this and say, I've pastored now all these years. I can't tell you how many young men or young ladies I wish I would have married different. It's too late now. I got married. We don't agree on how to raise the children. We don't agree on church. We, uh, I know if I bury her, she's going to hell. I'm going to heaven. We don't agree on Jesus. We don't. Did you know marriage will be hard enough even when you agree on Jesus? Yeah. You can agree on Jesus and say, honey, why can I not stand you at this moment? I know you're loving, but yuck. This is a bad day in our marriage. See, you need... Don't be forming unholy unions. So our young people who are being uh, inundated in uh, sensual sexual temptation by the media, by everything around them, peer pressure, all of that, and then in the churches, and then here, here's what I hear. Uh, Pastor, I'm dating. I just can't hardly find anybody that's a Christian. I said, What? And that's why they do a lot of church shopping. What they're really doing, they're doing a mate shop. I'm shopping for, I feel it. The Lord is leading this way. I, I know what you feel. Yet she, she just seemed to come out of nowhere, and uh, it, there she is. Yeah. And uh, she happens to be a good Mormon, but we'll work that out. Happens to be a good Jehovah's Witness. Uh, happens to be an atheist, but we agree. Oh, can that girl kiss? <laughs> what? So just the physical is going to make the bond? No, no, you, you, there'll be a disjoint there. Now, what happened in the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, many had come to faith in Christ, but they had a situation in where one became a believer and the other didn't. And so in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, they're asking, can I leave my husband? He's not a Christian. And he said, oh, no, 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 don't, don't leave. Don't leave. Uh, stay in the union. The marriage is holy before God. Don't leave. And then she says, but he wants to leave. He doesn't like the wife he's now got. I'm not his party animal anymore. I don't go to the temple anymore. I don't go to the bar anymore. I don't shoot up on the weekend anymore. I'm not, I can't do all the sins we were doing when we got married because I now want to go to church. I now love the Bible. I, love, I bow to Jesus, not to, uh, oh, you know, uh, one of the goddesses, uh, 
Bacchus or Venus or Mars or one of the idols. I'm devoted. Jesus is Lord in my life. And he's saying, I don't want you having Jesus as Lord. I want you to be a party animal with me. You practice the same ethics we practiced before we, you became a Christian. You married a pagan. I married a pagan. You done changed on me. I went out. He said, let him go. You're not bound in such a relationship. If they don't want to live at peace with you in a Christian marriage, give them their freedom. And I believe you're free to remarry in the Lord. But it's pretty heavy, is it not? What kind of a life? And that's what I worry about young people. I'll see young people come to this church. I'll see a lot of them leave. The dating years, they start leaving like you cannot believe. Oh, I know what's going on. It's dates, sex, it's drugs, it's booze. They may come back at 30 uh, and look like they're uh, 60 because sin is hard on you. A lot of times they're living with regrets. They may have started a family. The kids don't. Uh, they're torn between. Mom and dad fought over religion. So he said, don't yoke up in anything that will compromise your loyalty to Christ, whether it's religious, whether it's relationships. Then he gives these promises. His final word is verse 1 of chapter 7. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And what he's saying there is uh, get away from all the contaminants. That, because to go to the temple, it involved your body, involved your spirit. In your spirit, you're worshiping another god. Your body's being used usually in immorality. He said, you're dirty. You're dirty from these alliances. Purify yourself. Perfect holiness in the fear of God. I, I want you to mature. I want you to become more and more like Christ. I like to say that I looked at commentaries that never dealt with this chapter. It's a very unpopular one. Do we need this message? In a culture of tolerance, no absolutes, whoever tells us to don't be yoked with the wrong people, whether that's business, whether that's marriage, whether that's any kind of relationship, it's one thing to work for an unsaved company, but you're not in alliance. You don't run the company. That's, that's different. Let me just end by saying this, that uh, in the book of Haggai, he asked the prophet, and the prophet asked us, can you take a clean garment and touch it? Take a clean garment and put it next to a dirty garment. Will that make it clean? Take a clean garment. You touch it next to a dirty one. What happens? Does the dirty get clean or does the clean get dirty? 
brilliant congregation. <laughs> and that's right. He said, and neither can you take that which is unclean and never make anything clean. Um, talking to Rebecca, working in this flu epidemic and working in the clinic, um, you know what will wear you out if you work around medicine? Is washing your hands. Right? Glory. You got to get it on. The water's got to be running. Yeah, I've heard the lecture. It's the rubbing that really does it. It's not just a little soap. You got to rub. You got to get rid of all the germs. That's why anymore I just say, hi, brother. <laughs> hi, sister. No unclean things shall touch me. <laughs> it, all day, a physician, a nurse, probably, probably 50 times a day. Any of you nurses here? How many times a day? Look at them. I mean, what's going on? What's going on? You're kind of fanatical. No, I can't afford to catch the disease I'm trying to cure people of. While you're in this world, you better keep washing your hands. Are you going to catch the disease of the culture? You're going to start thinking like it. You're going to start looking like it. You're going to be compromising left and right. You know what? You've got to keep going to the fountain and say, I've got to wash my hands. That's why a lot of you aren't ready to worship on Sunday because you haven't taken a bath. And you stink. When you come, we know, man, they need a bath. No, 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 I'm not talking about Irish Spring. I'm talking about in the Lord. Yeah, if you get clean, your worship would be doubly good. It, it works. That's why we used to have prayer meetings before service. You know why? We could ask God to forgive us for how we told our wife off. And God, forgive me for hitting the dog on the driveway. <laughs> and God, clean me. Get me clean. Because I didn't land clean. I land soiled. I landed kind of dirty. And now I'm going to say, let's worship. Oh, you're not in any shape to worship. You say, Lord, I've been sinning so much. I'm in wrong alliances. I've got been compromising. <laughs> we used to do good just to get you to have a posture that you look holy. And you're not. He said in Timothy, lift up holy hands. Holy You've been washed, been washed. We're constantly bathing, confessing, going to the water of the word to wash the bride. Wash the bride. I just say, obey his commands. Don't yoke yourself up with any Lord besides Christ. Don't let anyone have authority over you religiously or in relationships that's not of the Lord. He commands he will live among us. I'd rather have Jesus living in me than having to go to a temple and be get involved with false religion. Are you in true religion? Well, act like it. Act like it. Believe the truth. Obey the truth. Tell your daughters. Tell your sons. Please, please, don't mess up your life. The prettiest girl might not be the right girl. Does she know Jesus? 
Does she want to do God's will? And by the way, do you, son, know him? We had one of our young men ask a question yesterday. What should I look for in a girl that I want to hopefully marry? And I thought the men had some great answers. One was, be the kind of man that she wouldn't risk her Christian life to marry. I'd say this, men, is your wife better because she married you? This is a good time to go out on prayer. <laughs> Father, give these families grace to stare each other as they leave. Thank you. Help us to stay clean in a dirty, dirty world. It's only possible through your guidance. Help us to love sinners, but not to make compromise and alliances that compromise our faith. Please give us the wisdom to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. And if every couple would look into your wife's eye and say, I love you.